Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. we can I think we're praying for you and you guys and Seth but sometimes as we uh, bring up requests I hope that when I don't mention them we're still praying them for them let's pray Lord God we do thank you for each one in our church family we thank you for Seth and we ask for your healing hand to be upon him your strengthening hand to be upon Tanya and Mike and and uh, the brothers and sisters. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would guide them and direct them. And, 
Lord, that you would continue to be glorified. And how the family watches over and cares for Seth. Lord, we ask for your direction today as we continue to worship you. And we thank you for our eternal security in you, Lord Jesus. Uh, the truth that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, and the reality that you are with us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to try to do a children's message at this point. Uh, if the kids... Want to come up here, kids? I'm actually going to use you kids as an illustration. <laughs> I'm going to use you as an illustration here this morning. And so, uh, for uh, everyone here to be, you know, summer's crazy. We're, we're traveling around. I mean, we've got a couple rows empty up here. It's a little strange because uh, uh, they're gone this week, That folks that aren't usually gone and um, so I know some of you have been gone, and we're, we're going through Colossians, kids, book of Colossians, and we're chapter 2, and so I want to read some verses here, okay, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that are continuing, uh, actually, as we sing these songs, we're continuing in thought of everything's about Jesus, okay? All right? And so, kids, just listen along. I'm going to start in chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, and, and this is for the sermon, okay, kids? So when, we, when I read this, this is what I'm going to talk about in the message today. And what I have you help me do an illustration with is just a little bit, little part of the message, okay? Got it? So this is to help bring us all together in thought on this passage says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to, uh, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, here's the point, kids, so walk in Him. For you kids, this is what we're looking at. So walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And so in chapter 1, we talked a little bit about how Jesus is preeminent. He's, he's the boss. He's the top. He is God. Okay, He's God the Son, right? And through all of this, we're to be taught that we are to keep our attention and our love and our faith in Jesus, okay? And then verse 6, it says, just as you've received Jesus, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later on, 
But just as you've come to know Jesus as your Savior, so walk in Him. And sometimes we wonder, what does that mean to walk in Him? Okay? But I want to just help you understand that really we can think about it as walk toward Him, walk with Him, keep your eyes on Jesus, be in a relationship with Him. And so... I need a volunteer here. Might have a couple of you volunteer. Okay. All right. Josie. John, would you, or Bobby Joe, would you come sit in the second row here for a second? One of you. No. No. All right. So, first of all, see Corbin up there with his handsome, freshly cut, trimmed hair? Okay, right? He's kind of in the middle. Kind of look down this line and find a middle point, okay? Now, you don't have to walk foot for foot print on the line, but I want you to watch and just walk straight ahead, okay? Or maybe look at the very end of the line. And let's see how well you do. You're doing pretty good, right? All right. I'll come back up here. Okay. Now, that's to give us an image of walking. So walk in Him. Walk in the Lord Jesus, keeping your eyes on Him. Now I want you to watch your mom as you walk down this straight line. Okay? Eyes on your mom. Okay? Doing pretty good. A little off. Not a lot. Not a lot. Good. All right. Come on. Come on up, Josie. Lindsay. Sorry. I said Josie the first time, too. All right, you're doing pretty good. You're pretty skilled. Okay, Bobby Joe, you can go back. Next. (laughs) We're done with you, Bobby Joe. All right. Next, who wants to show us how well you can walk down the line? Nobody? Come on, Jasmine. You want to do it for me? Violet? Violet up here? Which There's Jasmine. There's Violet. They're growing up so fast. Do you want to? Would you do it for me? Jasmine? Okay. I need somebody else. Okay, come on, Hope. You're Hope, right? No, you're Lily. You're Hope. I don't know anymore. (laughs) She's Hope. Okay. All right. Where's your mom and dad? They're over there. First time walk down straight. I'm taking a lot of time on this illustration, aren't I? Okay, now look at your parents and walk straight. Are you on? She's doing pretty good. I don't know. They're, they're doing better. We'll, we're going to leave this line, and Mr. Phelps is going to bring a tool next week maybe for us to make this fun. <laughs> All right, so the illustration is, even though they were still walking pretty close to the line, too close to the line. They were supposed to walk way off the line. But anyway, still, they were off a little. And so we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and walk in Him. Right? We're saved by faith. Okay? Saved by faith in Jesus Christ. By His grace. Okay? We're saved by faith to do good works. We're not saved by good works, okay? 
but we're saved to do good works. And we only can find out what those are as we walk in Him. And it's active. Okay? Your faith is active. It will lead you down paths that you never thought you would ever go. Are you ready? In all of it, don't be scared. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now I want to tell you, if, you're, if you don't have GPS in your tractor, okay, and you're farming along and you're gawking around, you're going to look back and you're going to see that things are messed up. Okay? But if you keep your eyes fixed on the, the place that you're supposed to, you're going to be a lot straighter. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and let's walk in Him. Make sense? Good? All right, let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would guide and direct these young ones to continue to walk in you, to follow you all the days of their lives, Lord, that they would grow up to know, love, and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you guys. Did anybody else want to try to help me out, really mess it up for me? Maybe I should have took someone that's a little bit older like me, because I would have surely gone off. So our passage is back in Colossians, okay? Our passage is back here in Colossians, and, and I've entitled it just a little bit different than the illustration here this morning with the young ones. Uh, it's, it's entitled, The Struggle for Solid Believers. And we find here Paul's struggle on behalf of the believers, and we see this in other passages, in other epistles, where he lets them know about a struggle. And, and as I was thinking about that phrase, a struggle, I kept thinking of uh, one of my nephews who's, who's grown and has a couple of his own kids. And, and when there's some difficulty or something happens, he liked to coin this phrase, the struggle is real. And it got me curious as to where did that come from? We would say that and the idea here is from the struggle is real. It's usually used, or it was used in the memes, and it, it sprung up about 2012. And memes, anybody, anybody not know what a meme is? It, it's these pictures. Sometimes you take the same person, like, uh, well, there, there was a meme after uh, Biden won election, and... Uh, What's-his-name was sitting there with his gloves and his... Bernie Sanders was sitting in his chair, you know, uh, at the inaugural address in his gloves, his mittens, and sitting there like he's all cold. And people started putting these in pictures, funny pictures, you know. Those are memes. They're, they're, and, and so people will stay, take the same phrase. There was a couple years ago the meme with the cat and the lady yelling at the cat. And the cat like this. Anybody remember that? But they're, they're for comedic relief. So memes are just pictures or phrases. So one of the phrases in 2012 that began, the struggle is real. And it, like it would be used with a picture of, of someone who was probably sitting on a toilet and there's an empty toilet roll. The struggle is real. Okay, Use a different one, right? <laughs> so. Where were you earlier this week? Uh, anyway, uh, the struggle is real. It, and so, <laughs> um, 
It originally came from a, a lot uh, uh, with a more serious tone uh, in the 90s when rappers or hip-hop artists pointed to the, the struggle of inner-city life and other uh, issues that they thought were serious. But today it just recognizes the sense that there, there really should be, there, there really is a struggle as a human being that we have little struggles that happen all the time. I'm thinking about, you know, sometimes losing your, your phone. And there's that new commercial where, where he has this watch that tells him there's, where his phone is and it's in a haystack, which is interesting. The rest of the, the field is, bails, but anyway. Uh, I was like, what? Anyway, you know, these little things where we fail and we, we, we just have this common difficulty because we are finite beings. And yet, it's fun to enjoy life and talk about the same things that we all struggle with. Yet, we know there is a real struggle in life. And there ought to be a struggle. And we find that Paul had struggled for others and, and that we should struggle for other believers as well. And so the challenge is we look at this passage, there's, there's several applications that we could make in the short time that we have, but one challenge for us that I hope that we all take away today was, would be that we must struggle because of, of love to build up solid believers in Jesus. And it's because of love. It's because we're walking in Jesus that we have the power to love and this draws us together. And so we're going to discuss three struggles in this, this passage. First, there is the struggle for growth. The struggle for growth from verses 1 to 3. And, and love is a struggle for other spiritual growth. Love draws you into this desire to see others be strengthened in Jesus Christ. And so Paul here in verse 1 lovingly struggles for all believers. Note, for I want you to know that 4 can go back up to verse 29. And we began to see in chapter 1 that he's talking about his ministry or the ministry that we should all have in verse 29. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea, all those in the Lycus Valley, even those not in your church family, not in your city, a closer town, as well as all those who have not personally seen my face. He is not partial. He loves all believers and he wants all believers to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. His struggle is one in prayer, but also in his ministry. He wants them to know Jesus. And so he lovingly struggles for all believers in verse 1. He struggles to preach again the gospel and to help them grow in the Lord. And he struggles in his prayers for them. Um, his calling, it says in this passage. No, uh, as we looked at ver- chapter 1, it talked about his calling really was to, to labor uh, striving uh, to proclaim the message of the gospel and to help them to grow. And here, it's not just His calling, but His love that leads to His struggle for them. In verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged. That is, not only your hearts, but that all people's hearts, even if Paul had met them or not, 
Whether Paul had met them or not, he wants them to be encouraged. Having been knit together in love. That's a key uh, phrase there, I believe, for us to see today. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from full assurance of understanding resulting in true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ Himself. Last week we looked at the, the definition for mystery in the passage that we were looking at last week, which was when verse 27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> that is that God has brought both Jews and Gentiles into one family through that we have become believers and we are united in Christ as brothers and sisters, right? And he goes on here to say, not only that it, it is Christ in you, but here God's mystery that is Christ Himself. Now, in verse 2, the end there, that there's some discussion about, it, it's really, in the Greek, it's really uh, complicated to, to get exactly what the translation uh, should be. But when we look at this passage, really, if we know Jesus, we have everything and we can be united. And this goes against some things that are being taught even in evangelical churches today without them fully realizing it, I believe. But here he's, he's struggling to help them understand what they need to know, and that's Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you begin, and you grow in Jesus, you begin to understand all the riches that you have. All the blessings that you truly have in Him. And one of the things I think that U.S believers kind of take for granted is that we have been brought into a family and we're not alone. We're not called to be individuals off on our own. We're called to love other believers and that itself is a blessing. And I don't know, you know, it's been last summer I think was the wedding, right? And I, I like to give books. I don't know if I gave the book to you, but there's a book called Sacred Marriage, and it talks about how when you get married, that's the beginning of, for many people, that's where you're really going to grow because you're going to wear off those rough edges, right? You and your spouse. It's not easy. It's not easy to love other believers. It's not. Even if you're the same color. Even if you're in the same quote-unquote cultural context. Even if you're in the same family. Nuclear family. Right? It's not easy. But love leads us to unity and this is all in Jesus. So this word knit together is important. Uh, let's ask ourselves again, and I kind of already jumped into this, but, but what does the Bible use for metaphors or use for, for pictures of, of the church? A building, right? A building in this passage should give you a key being knit together, right? Stones that are put together, um, we have sheet metal, I guess, but you're screwed together somehow or whatever. But they're still, you're linked together, right? But get a picture of a brick building, okay? You don't stack the bricks with the line going straight up, 
that is going to cause for a shaky, shaky wall. You build on a firm foundation, and we see in Scripture about Jesus being the chief cornerstone. It's used over and over again, different metaphors to point out how we are living stones built up, interconnected together in Christ, built upon the prophets and apostles, okay? The Word of God. Well, that's one way the church is, is described. Another one, even here in Colossians, is as a body that's being linked together, right? Dependent upon each other. Another passage talks about it. If you don't have a leg, or you're missing this, or you're missing that, you're going to struggle. You have to compensate. A lot of us churches, we're, we're compensating. And we don't even know we are, because we were kind of, we, we, we're just here. It's kind of like being born that way. You have to compensate for it, and you didn't realize you had to. As a family, that's another metaphor, as a priesthood. But it's never, the church, the church is never described as a lone wolf or a lone tree out there by itself with no need for anyone or anything. We are knit together in love. Knit together. How? In love. Through the power. And we might go back to verse 29. This has to be through the power of Jesus Christ. And it's, that's talking about Paul's ministry. But even in love, our love is going to come from Jesus Christ. The power to love. Love's not easy, is it? It's hard, right? It, love is outward focused. Uh, Dandy can testify how, you know, how outward focused I am all the time, you know. Yeah. Love is a struggle. It is a struggle. So the struggle is real, right? We could say that. I like what John MacArthur states in his commentary, New Testament commentary on love here uh, in talking about this passage. The last time... Here, I think I have it up there for you. The last time you made a sacrifice for someone was the last time you loved him or her. How do you like that? <laughs> Maybe a little extreme, I don't know. But love is, for, is first action and then the emotions follow. Is that what our culture teaches? Of course, in the Greek, there's several different words for love that we use for one word. So the strengthened heart is a heart that has learned to love. So he's talking about here in this passage is being encouraged. Look at verse 2 again. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. And what MacArthur alludes to in in his commentary is something that we're taught in Scripture, not only in in this passage uh, as it alludes to it, but also throughout Scripture, is that when we have an outward focus, we're going to be encouraged. I mean, sometimes we don't receive what we give out, right? That tends to be sacrifice. But even if you're suffering, if you're hurting, if there's emotional pain, and it's hard to get past, one way is to begin to look around how you can serve, how you can help someone. It may not be in the church building. Maybe we could say, look for that project. 
that will busy your mind and hopefully it's a project that the Lord has pushed upon your heart. It may even be making clothes for someone or, or finding clothes for someone or, or taking someone a meal and you begin to look outward. But also, when others are doing the same thing, you will be encouraged. But coming back to it, we, we know we all fail each other, don't we? At times, in small ways and great ways, we've, we fail the ones we love. But who does? Does never, who never does, sorry. Who, who is perfect? Well, it isn't our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where love comes in. We need to love them regardless. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ is the answer. So, going on through two and three, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding that is and he's still talking about uh the church family the the people here that he's ministered he wants them to grow up in jesus christ and as you grow up in him as you mature you're going to gain this understanding and you'll realize the great full wealth that you receive and you will be solidly placed upon jesus christ and the reality here when you look at this jesus is the answer he's the only answer But it goes on, assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I believe that the great heresies preaching against is really not Gnosticism, but uh, the Jewish faction that's saying you have to do things the way the Old Testament says to do it. You need to add to this or you're really not saved. But here it's interesting again that wisdom is brought up. Because even in the Jewish traditions there that these folks were facing in Colossae, they would say that the Jews would say, hey, you really don't know. You really don't have the right wisdom or knowledge. In verse 4 it says, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive arguments. And maybe their arguments are persuasive, but you have to fall back to the reality. It's all about Jesus. And sadly, our kids didn't help me out much on my illustration, but when you begin to look elsewhere other than Jesus, you're going to go horrendously awry, astray, the wrong direction, off course. Amen? Sadly, it's true. Paul wants them to have a full assurance of understanding, and that is to know Jesus more, to know and understand the wealth in Him, to know as they know Him, they'll begin to gain this understanding of the rich inheritance, and and they'll, they'll see how blessed they are in this rich relationship with Jesus Christ, and this rich relationship that they can have with other believers. And the true knowledge of God's mystery is Jesus. Jesus is the answer no matter how persuasive people are, no matter how good their argument sounds. If it deludes anything about Jesus in any way, run from it. If it deludes the work of Jesus Christ, and the person of Jesus Christ, run or reject it, right? Oh. 
I'm not the fastest guy in the room. So sometimes you just have to stand and proclaim the truth and realize what the truth is. The truth is Jesus is the answer. And, and the idea here, when it speaks about Jesus, some would say, well, when they receive it, it goes on down later. I'm getting ahead of myself here in my notes. But um, as you received Him, so walk in Him, right? And this receiving of Jesus is receiving the truth of the proclamation of who Jesus is. And it's probably, they, many of the commentators say, probably more than just his, his work on the cross, but the miraculous things that He did when He was alive. Who He is. And who would continue to reject Jesus? Those who thought they had all the answers. If your answers become something other than the Lord Jesus Christ, that is shaky ground. I'm only in through the first point here. I just want you to understand that Jesus is the answer. He, he's... Jesus gives us salvation, redemption, reconciliation. He gives us unity. He gives us growth. But the struggle should be real. The struggle is real. That is that we need to continue to walk in Him and there's going to be battles. There are many distractions that do matter that can turn our eyes and our attention away from Him. And the last, over the last year, longer than that, there have been battles taking place in the United States that can distract us and that are distracting the evangelical churches. So we have to struggle to keep Jesus first place. We have to make sure that we're not compromising the truth to try to reach different groups, but that we are showing love. Now we can reach those groups in love without compromise. Right? But I'm just going to give you the rest of the notes here and we'll come back to this here in a week. Okay? Uh, that last, the struggle for reality. But the struggle for stability, the struggle for growth is what we first see. That we need to grow in Jesus and and it is a struggle. And if you back up to the end of chapter 1, you'll see that we are to proclaim the truth. Uh, one of the struggles is, well, how can we remember the message? A lot of times it's done through exhortation or pro proclamation from the pulpit. And some of us, you know, we don't remember it, you know. That's why I give you notes. Because I know I don't remember things unless I go back and I write it down as I'm listening. That helps. But even if I'm studying as a teacher, you, you, you're supposed to retain 80 to 90% of it. Yeah? I, I do pretty poorly on that times. Okay? I remember it through the week and I pray about it through the week. But we're to grow, we're to struggle to grow in Jesus together and we're to struggle for the stability and really that comes through growth. And, and in verse 4, there, there are, there's persuasive arguments that he wants them to be aware of. And, and remember, Colossae, there were earthquakes there. Arnold's had earthquakes, right? Nothing shook anything from any foundations that I know of. I guess they had a crack in Callaway in one of the public uh, locker rooms. Right? But if our foundation's on Jesus, we will not be shaken. 
And what this goes down to, and what I, and so something that's been plaguing me, you know, the, the struggle is real. In the 90s, that was something that the hip-hop artists and rappers said, had used to be a very serious thing about, oh, inequality or equity. And I have vaguely referred to it last couple weeks. I think it's something we need to pray about. But CRT, the critical race theory, is creeping into evangelical churches in ways that we really don't realize it's there. It distorts the gospel. Each individual is accountable for their decisions, and all ethnicities are sinners. Every last one of us, we all need Jesus. Yeah, there's racism. But there's things that are creeping into the church that are distorting the gospel in horrendous ways. And so I just encourage you to, to read up on it. Um, Fault Line uh, by Body Bacham is a good book for you to read. But in it, the reason I mention it is that there is always a struggle there's, you know, a few years ago, you know, we're talk, worried about the emergent church. It's still there. There's still things. There's still difficulties, right? There's other things creeping in. So we have to know the Word of God. But, so we pray that we will follow the Lord in all things. Serving Him because there are great evangelical leaders saying that, hey, we need to do certain things and it's taking us away from the reality of what the Bible says. It, doesn't, it does not matter what town you grew up in. Because out here in central Nebraska, you say, oh, there's no differences. Well, you could move into another town and it could be very cliquish, Right? Anybody been there? Even maybe in Arnold, never moved away. You've always been there, right? There's clicks. Doesn't matter if you're a believer and they're a believer. You should be knit together in love. Amen? Well, okay, yes, but still, Pastor Lee, you are a stubborn man. You frustrate me. Yes, I know. Okay. So there's difficult. I'm not saying it's not, e- it's not easy, okay? It's not easy. Okay, it doesn't matter your town, your cultural heritage. It doesn't matter your ethnicity or as we've come to use it, race, which I don't like to use that word because it has evolutionary roots. We're all descendants of Noah and Adam and Eve. Okay, doesn't matter your nation that you came from. It doesn't matter the struggles that you've had we're brought together in Christ. And we all need forgiveness. And we are all sinners. And we all do and say stupid stuff and sinful stuff. And at times, sadly, there's been evil things done and said. We need to repent of those sins and turn to Christ. But in all of this, we can be knit together in love, there could be great unity that comes in the churches of the United States of America. And we need to pray for that. Okay? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage, and maybe I've gotten off just a little bit from original um, thoughts on, as I've studied this, Lord, just the reality that it's a struggle to grow in You, and we, we want others to grow in You. We want others to be encouraged in You. And in all of this, as we've received You, so walk in You, Lord Jesus. We are praying that You would give us clarity of vision to walk in You, to know as we're following You, what is wrong and what is right, what we're called to do, what we're called to maybe put aside, even if it's important, even if it's good. What it is You have called each of us to do, what You've done, what, have you, what You've called our church to do, who You've called us to support, who You've called us to help in their ministries. or to help us to follow You. And as we follow You, that we would serve You boldly and serve You in such a way that You receive all the glory. Lord Jesus, thank You for dying upon the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that if there's someone here who has yet been unable to fully understand their need to put their full faith and trust in You, Lord Jesus, today, that they would do it. We thank You, Lord, for the testimony that we receive here from our brothers and sisters and today from Mike and Seth. We thank You, Lord, for even the, the smallest blessings and proclamation of 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 the truth and of faith, even in a little song. Even humming a little song. Lord, help us not to forget those less fortunate, those who are hurting. Help us not to forget about Seth. Anybody else in our church that we're overlooking who's struggling today. And Lord, I get, I've been so caught up in my struggles. So help us to have open eyes to see around us and how we can help. And as we help, to draw that You would draw us together, knit together in unity. We love You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for all that You've done. We know it's by Your power and Your might. It's by Your grace that we're saved and brought together. Now help us in the days to come to glorify You together. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning we take up our offering the first Sunday.